You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Jake Corley. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by Red Wing. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks, everyone, for joining us again for this episode. It's episode number 162. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Awesome, Paige. And in case audience, you're wondering why is Paige joining me instead of Jake? Jake is a little under the weather, so we, you know, we want to wish Jake a speedy recovery. Don't worry, folks. Looks like he's going to be okay. And Paige was nice enough to join us for what is going to be our last show of this year. And speaking of last show of this year, the reviews. Everybody that's left us a review for 2018 and all the way back to whenever we started. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is the best way to support the show. It takes all of a couple of minutes. we got two of them here. First one, fantastic show for professionals by Jer. Or Jer I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I found this podcast to be incredible. It is a must listen for anyone who wants to know what and why something has happened in our industry. Thank you guys for the content. You're welcome. And then another one, Alex, excellent info by Cat Frackman from Canada. Love it. You start listening. <laughs> And I'm hooked. These guys know their stuff and how to communicate it well, keep it coming, and we plan to keep it coming. Now, before we get into everything, Paige, myself, and the entire Oil and Gas Global Network gang want to wish all of our listeners out there Merry Christmas, have a happy new year, happy holidays. Everybody just stay safe. This will be our last show for this year because we want to spend time with our families. We'll come back in January with a big announcement. That is a good announcement, but it's a big announcement. So you have to stay tuned. And we're going to jump into the news stories. But instead of news stories, we're going to do the predictions for oil and gas for 2019. We do this every year. If you've been listening to the show, it's something that I started with Modal Point years ago, and it, we continued on. And we like to let our listeners have first uh, dibs at it. So the video has not went out for this yet. We're going to go through the, uh, my predictions for 2019, and then the video will actually come out in a couple of days. So you get to hear it first. Actually, you get to hear it second. Cause somebody I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as podcast, or as far as the public, this will be the first uh, chance for you get to listen to this. And so I'm just going to jump right into this. So our oil and gas predictions for 2019. Number one, decline of field sales. And you go, what? And I go, no, decline of fuel sales. And this is a bigger thing than you would think. So throughout a lot of the oil plays, especially the shell basins in North America, historically, there was no connectivity. With the advent of the ability to sensorize these wells, along with the desire and business drivers to actually collect that data and use it for something important, all of a sudden, companies have realized that having connectivity in the field is a way to make money. And so, Paige, it's interesting. There's actually cellular companies out there putting up uh, LTE uh, 4G networks, not to capture people talking on telephone, but just so people can use it to collect data from their wells and send it back to the headquarters. Well, that's efficient. Yeah. And so now that that connectivity is out there and, and not just there, but you know, there's a fiber loop with a bunch of microwave hops in the Gulf of Mexico. You got microwave hops out in North Sea. So all over the world, getting connectivity in the field is starting to happen. And that's great for the big data stuff we've talked about for a long time. But there's a side part of this that nobody's thinking of that we're thinking that you'll see the beginning of in 2019. Now, everywhere there's oil fields, especially on land, there's oil field service companies. All those oil field service companies have field staff that basically sell and support those relationships. And 
right now, a whole bunch of them basically get donuts and beef jerky and go delivered every day. And there's nothing wrong with getting beef jerky. Hey, I like beef page. jerky. No, yeah, I, uh, I, I absolutely love beef jerky. So <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. But from a sales organization, it's very hard to manage and run an efficient shop because basically you don't have a team. You have a bunch of individuals, with individual goals. They're out there in West Texas. You know, they're getting up at four o'clock in the morning. So it's dangerous. And they're maintaining those relationships with the operators so that when an operator needs a fishing service or needs a mud pump or something, he trusts this guy that's been talking to him every couple of days and bringing him donuts, beef jerky, and he buys from him. Well, now that that connectivity is starting to grow, now we think that you can see field sales start to decline. Now, everybody out there, don't think this is going to happen in 2019. It's going to take 20 years for this to happen, but we think it's going to start in 2019. And there's a lot of benefits. If you're a service company and you can have all your salespeople back in headquarters or back in a room somewhere, number one, they get to feed off each other and help each other, right? They're all in the same room. Right now, they're all individual cowboys. Number two, if you have a new product or some training you do, it's very effective for you to do it. And this new younger workforce is totally fine in talking to their sales rep over a Skype call, right? So we, one of our predictions for 2019 is we think there's going to be the beginning of decline of field sales. And we think it's actually a good thing. Our next one. Upstream value with petrochemicals. And you go, what the hell does that mean, Mark? <laughs> so we got to be very clear here. So the super majors, you know, the five of them out there, they all have upstream, midstream, downstream parts of their business. So ExxonMobil has a downstream, has a petrochemical component of their business. And actually, Paige, I think you and I talked about this, maybe this last year, but the ExxonMobil's international petrochemicals division grew 100% revenue year over year last year. That's enormous. Anytime you're the size of ExxonMobil and you have a piece of your business grow 100%, that, that's insane. Yeah, but the thing is, much. yeah, but the thing is, ExxonMobil didn't feed its petrochemical business natural gas and crude oil that it pulled out the ground. That's not how the super majors work. Exxon EMP just sells out in the global market, that crude natural gas, and then ExxonMobil downstream buys on the global market. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the opposite of that, where the upstream company builds petrochemical plants or ethylene crackers and then feeds it its own feedstock. So we're watching Sasol do this right now in the U.S. Sasol is a, an upstream operator. It's actually a knockout of Africa. And they're drilling and they're completing and they're producing hydrocarbons here, you know, both oil and gas. But now they're building ethylene crackers that they're going to feed with their own gas that they got out of the ground. This is a fundamental change, we think. And it's it's a test. So does this allow SAS oil to capture more of the value chain? Heck yeah, right? Because petrochemicals are hot right now. Is this a trend that will continue? We think so. So another prediction of 2019 is that the petrochemical companies are going to realize value and the upstream guys are going to pull that into part of their business. This is the one everybody laughs at. So my next prediction for 2019, the oil and gas industry is the Microsoft business model. So Paige, do you remember the old days of Microsoft where you had to have a license for everything? Yes, I do. I yeah, very much do. <laughs> Word, Excel, PowerPoint. If you didn't have a license, you couldn't have that software on your computer. Right. And so that's how Microsoft was for a long time. They got, got sued by several countries <laughs> about having all that stuff locked down and not allowing any competitors to come on board. That's how Microsoft made money. If you think about our industry page, that's how we are as an industry. You know, Halliburton will not let a competitor come on a Halliburton job site, right? Right. That's changing. So here's something really cool. So the new Microsoft loves their competitors. So Azure, which is one of their fastest growing products out there, about 70% of the traffic on it is Linux, which is a competitor to Microsoft. Microsoft doesn't care. It's still making money. The old Microsoft would have never let a competitor in the door. Now they're welcoming them in, right? Things like the old license model is gone. They gave away. So we at OGGN use uh, Office 365 and some of us page love it and some of us don't, but tough. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're using. <laughs> 
But they gave away, Microsoft gave away Office for free on cell phones, and they passed up Google Docs as the most free-use Office software almost in a month, right? That is huge. It's a fundamental change in the way Microsoft does business. And the reason, by the way, folks, they give it away free on a cell phone is they know that hope that you're not going to work on Excel spreadsheet on your phone. You'll go ahead and pay the $15 a month to have the full version of it. We're starting to see it happen right now in, in the oil and gas industry. So Schlumberger, one of the big oil field service companies, their wireline division, you can now go rent their wireline tools from them, even if you're a competitor. Hmm. This is a game This is a game changer. Schlumberger doesn't care who runs the job. The old Schlumberger would have, would have been their crews, you know, their RFPs, uh, their accounting, you know, their HSE. Now Schlumberger says, hey, just come rent the tools. We don't care if you're a competitor of ours. And we think that trend is going to continue and we think it's going to accelerate. So we see that Microsoft business model of embracing your competitors and still making money off coming to oil and gas in 2019, which is what we think is awesome. Then next, M&A. I don't even know how much I should even go into all that. <laughs> <laughs> the M&A activity has happened already and it's happened in the third and fourth quarter of the year, which is not typically when M&A is hot. Right. There's so much money sitting on the sidelines right now. And this is a great environment right now for acquisitions. You're seeing upstream operators do that and basically a fair trade. So nobody makes a profit off acquiring other than they just trade out stocks so they can, so they can basically merge together and get bigger. We think the next year is going to be a historic M&A activity. Now, I called this wrong in 2014, and so I'm you know, putting my line in the sand again. We think 2019 is going to rock. Uh, the whole uh, BP buying those BHP assets was, is an enormous, enormous deal. We think we're going to see much more of those things going on. But it's, they're being driven by slightly different metrics, but I have never seen this much money sitting on the sidelines. So we think for 2019, M&A activities will be at an all-time high. Then our next one, fear of U.S. production. For the first time in our you like that one? Yeah, I do. I do, actually. <laughs> everybody, everybody, everybody likes this one. So for the first time ever, if we wanted to, we could turn on the tap and we could flood the market with crude above and beyond what Russia and OPEC could do together. Never in our history have we been in this situation. We now control the swing of crude prices. Now, we may not want to do it, but we have the ability to do it, right? For the first time ever, countries are scared of our production. We've always been the opposite. We've always been the machine that bought all the world's production. Right. And we still are one of the top users of, of crude oil and natural gas. But now we produce so much, we're, we're producing more than we need ourselves. So all these deals, and I don't want to get into politics, but all these trade deals that uh, our present administration have renegotiated to our favor or to be more in our favor, the other countries didn't do that because they wanted to be nice. Other countries did that because they were afraid that we would use oil like a weapon. Right. And so that allowed us to renegotiate these deals. Russia and OPEC getting along, they don't like each other. <laughs> right. They don't. I know the they thing, don't. Like what's going thing, on? What's in the air? Well, the thing is, is that they have a common business foe, which is us. So so this is really good. So it's driving geopolitical differences in the way countries act and think because they're scared of our production. And honestly, Paige, as an American. I love this. <laughs> I do too. I really that's why I'm. Yeah, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> and then our next one, data as revenue, and I don't mean what people have been talking about for the last couple of years, the geoscience data, the production diet. We all know that that data is worth money. The companies have already figured that out. The contracts are written to make sure that whoever owns that data contractually owns that data. I'm talking about all the data that is not contractually obliged that nobody thinks of. So we talked about Halliburton a little while ago. There's a guy that, or probably a bunch of guys that clean up some of the warehouses Halliburton does every day. 
that data, how long does it take them to clean up that warehouse is valuable. Who owns that data? Is it Halliburton? Is it the company that Halliburton outsources to clean up the warehouse? Is it the guy pushing the broom? Nobody knows. We think that data is worth a trillion dollars. In fact, this whole 2018, we've been on this speech tour where I've been talking about the trillion dollar data battle, this exact thing. This is enormous. It's under the radar. I think companies are going to get stood up to do nothing but mine and, and use this data usefully in business. And once again, I'm not talking about the big known data, the, the geoscience and production data and all that. So I'm talking about the little things nobody ever thinks of. How many miles is on that Ford truck that Halliburton has out in, in, in Midland, right? How often do they change the tires on that truck? Who owns that data? Is it the, the company that changing the tires? Is it a tire manufacturer? Is it Ford? Is it Halliburton? It's not answered yet. So we think there's a lot of potential there. And then next, who predicts for 2019. You need some water? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, supply disruption. So you've heard us talk about this on the show before where the U.S. likes heavy, complex crudes and the rest of the world likes our light, sweet crudes. So we sell our crudes on the global market. And yeah, we use some of it ourselves. And but we buy the heavy, complex crudes from Canada or Venezuela or the Middle East so that we can have those high output yields in our refiners, petrochemicals. Well, look what's going on in Canada with the politics. Right. So it doesn't matter that the, we can get the oil sands oil much cheaper than we used to because of some technology breakthroughs, the pipelines aren't there to get it to us. Venezuela, unfortunately, we called this three or four years ago that eventually Venezuela would would implode and that that the government had to be overthrown. And that's what's going on right now. Literally, Paige, they're trading crude to feed their people and they can't even feed their people. Mm. So there goes that supply. And then look what's going on in the Middle East. So those supply disruptions, if they happen in 2019, can cause some stuff that a lot of people haven't really thought through. So one is, you've heard me talk forever about how our refineries love the heavy complex crudes. Well, if you're Valero and you're seeing major supply disruptions in one of the few places that you can get heavy complex crude, you have a choice to make. You can retrofit your refineries so they can process our light, sweet crude. Right. In which case you get a jump up on your competition. All of a sudden they're still fighting for high priced heavy crudes because when any, anytime there's a supply disruption, the price that crude goes up where Valero. And by the way, people, I'm not saying Valero is doing this. I'm using it as an example where Valero, if they decide to retrofit their refineries, would be way ahead of everybody else because they can now buy and use all this crude in the U.S. They don't even have to worry about import taxes or tariffs on it. But what if Valero does that and all of a sudden that supply disruption goes away? Well, now they've wasted billions of dollars in capex funds and retrofit their refineries and now they're behind their competitors they may have to go back and retrofit and try to fix that so they would be at a huge competitive disadvantage that's a hard decision to make because not only does it cost an exorbitant amount of money to retrofit a refinery refineries are never meant to stop they make money 24 hours a day seven days a week and while you're retrofitting that refinery you have to stop production which means you could lose that revenue on top of the capex you're spending so this yeah, supply disruption could be a major thorn in all of our sides, and it's going to cause companies to make decisions. Once again, some will pull out ahead of others, and some will get left behind. So 2019, we think supply disruption could, could, could be a, a, something that people really need to pay attention to. And then next, and here's one that you hear, heard me talk about a lot, but we're coming at it from a different angle. Talent. Where's the talent? So we're facing a talent shortage of unprecedented for several reasons. So first thing is, if the oil and gas industry could hire every mechanical engineer, and once again, folks, I'm making the mechanical engineer a part, but any 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 engineering discipline, electrical, reciprocal, if if we could hire every single one that's in college, it's not enough engineers for us, and we can't hire every single one. 
Traditionally, except for recently here in Europe, all around the world, young people were overjoyed if they got a job with Chevron, right? If you were in Nigeria and you got a job with Chevron, your whole village would celebrate because that's prosperity, that's health insurance, that's money. You can feed your children, your family. For the first time, because all this negative publicity, a lot of young people around the world don't want to come work in our industry. What are we going to do as an industry when we can't hire enough talent that's in the pipeline now and that talent doesn't want to come work for us? We're we're in a bad place yeah. and it's coming at us like a freight train and we can't stop it. Now, we think it's going to drive things like faster adoptations of the technology. Companies are going to have to learn to do more with less. We think it's going to start uh, – we'll start looking at having a, a bit of a shared workforce, but it is still a major problem. And, and the blame on this faces effects is, is we need to own the blame on this. For the last 50 years, anytime somebody says something negative in the public – about our industry, we don't correct them. And then when social media came on the scene a decade or so ago, now that voice gets amplified. And and we're behind the eight ball on this. Now, last year, we said we thought we hit the, the negative trough of public perception. We still firmly believe that. But it's going to take us 10 or 15 years to pull out of it completely. So as an industry, we need to start talking about the good things we do. Not politics, not opinion, just facts. And that for the audience, you've heard me hit around this before, and we're still, this is taking a long time to get there, but we're talking to a company out there and we're looking at bringing a podcast to the world so we can tell the good story of our industry and our people. So talent, major, major issue for, for 2019. Then this could sound so childish gas rules. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> okay. Are we over that? <laughs> Natural gas is the fuel of the future. Both Exxon and Shell have turned themselves into gas companies for that exact reason. The thing is, we don't have the global infrastructure yet to move it around inexpensively. We're working on that. All these compressed natural gas, so CNG or LNG plants that you keep hearing about, about, that's what it does. It takes the natural gas, which is a vapor, condenses it down to liquid so you can load it in a tanker, ship it across the world, and then unload it. But what you don't realize is we're at the very beginning of this. So we're building the LNG plants all around the world, and, and a lot of them are coming up, uh, coming up here uh, in the Gulf Coast of the U.S. But once that gets done, then the super tankers have to be built. And actually, a lot of them have already been built, but there's a lot of them in the ship docks being built to move it. And then once it gets moved on the other end, those countries are going to have to build terminals to offload LNG. You can't offload LNG into a regular pipe because it's so cold. It has to be special. And then you have to take that LNG and turn it back into a vapor, turn it back into gas in a regasification plant, and then you put it back in your system. This is 50 years of, of really high quality, high engineered construction all around the world. So this is jobs and prosperity, just building the infrastructure we need to be able to move LNG around the world in a cost conscious way. So, so gas rules, and and there's so many things that natural gas does. Almost 70% of the world is fed with fertilizer made from natural gas, right? People don't realize that every plastic thing that you touch is made from natural gas. So gas is, is here to stay. We have so much of it here in the U S we don't know what to do with it. And what we're going to do is we're going to fuel the world with it. And Oh, by the way, we drop CO2 emissions by 60% just by switching from coal to natural gas. So, so gas rules. Yeah. And then here's one that Paige knows the backstory. So no, no talking to backstory here. Paige. Okay. Last one for predictions for 2019, new players. We're going to have new players in our industry like we've never had before. So everybody knows that Baker Hughes is on the market again. Uh, GE's looking to sell part or most of that off. I think one of the large tech companies are, are going to buy Baker Hughes, not because somebody like Microsoft or, or Oracle wants to get into the fishing business. They want the data. You know, IBM um, bought Weather Channel. 
Do you think IBM cares about the weather? No, the data. It's all about the data. No, it's it's all about the data. So we think there's going to be new players coming into our industry. I, I sincerely think that in the next five years, one of the big tech companies will be an awful service company. And that's a great thing, right? They don't know our industry, so they have to learn it and we have to help them learn it. But we don't know what they know. And and so I, I just think it's a great marriage of you know having new ways of thinking, new ways of doing business being brought into our industry by people that want to get in here. I'll tell you something, and Paige, you've heard me say this because we did this live, but you know, politically, companies like Salesforce and Google and Amazon don't like the oil and gas industry. Business-wise, they all have a dedicated oil and gas. <laughs> I, know, I know these guys. They're all here in Houston. Google has a dedicated oil and gas approach. Amazon has one. Salesforce has one. So when you have tech companies of that size that publicly don't like us, but then privately dump a whole bunch of money and manpower and resources to, to, to get and learn our industry and actually start doing business here. That tells you a big story. So we think there, there's going to be new players in 2019 and we welcome it. So there we go. Our, our 10 predictions for 2019. Remember, folks, I don't have a crystal ball. Don't use this to make stock investments. But this is what we think is going to happen. And remember, when we do predictions, we don't mean we think this is going to happen in 2019. We think this is going to be the start of the twin. Some of this stuff's going to happen really fast, like the gas rule thing's already happening. Some of it's going to take a long time, like the decline outside field staff. So there, so there we go. There's our oil and gas predictions for 2019. Now, real important, listen. If you have not won one of these Red Wing offshore bags and you want one, enter now. This is the last Red Wing bag we will be giving away on this show. So if you don't enter, you won't win. But it's very easy. No purchase necessary. See official site for rules and details. Go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Enter your information. And we're going to give away one lucky winner this year. <laughs> and that will be the last winner this year. So go enter, folks. We got more to that. We'll talk about that January of next year. And that, we're at the rig count. What's the rig count doing, Paige? 1,134. So only like a 1% change from previous week. So... Not yep, good solid, good, solid number for the end of the year. Events on deck. You know, we have our super happy hour. We skipped December because we knew y'all wouldn't show up. So our next one's going to be uh, Tuesday, January 29th here in Houston. We got these things popping up in other cities. We'll let you know. We're running a little bit behind that. Sorry, we're just busy. Well, that and, and growing you, pains. So. And growing pains. You're absolutely right. We are growing. We got new shows coming out. We have new sponsors coming on board. We're in a good place. So just, just stick with us and we'll get there. If you want to know about our happy hour or any of the other events we're going to, go sign up for a monthly oil and gas newsletter. It's free. The link's in the show notes. Just whatever device you're on, either swipe up or left, depending, and you can just click on that and sign up for it. If you want to know about our events we're doing, Cindy Lee finally got up a, a thing, big hat. Shout out to Cindy Lee for getting this done. We have a, a events calendar on the Oil and Gas Global Network website. So go to oilandgasglobalnetwork.com, go to events, and you can see what we're doing and where, and, and you can sign up there. That way, everything's in one place. And then if you'd like Jake and I or Paige and I to come to your trade association, your company event, your conference, your schools. Hey, sales leaders, if you're getting ready to do a sales or marketing leaders, you're getting ready to do a sales or marketing kickoff for, for 2019, instead of your boring entertainment, bring us. Let's bring the podcast. All I ask is fun. that there's alcohol involved. <laughs> That's the only way I'm going to get up and talk. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, that, and if it's a bunch of sales and marketing guys, trust me, there's going to be alcohol involved. <laughs> but reach out to me or, or Jake or, or just any of us, and we'll be happy to share the details of that. You know the drill about the first Friday Q&A. Uh, go to oilandgasthisweek.com, ask a question, ask your question. If we read your questionnaire, we give you a big shout out. Once again, folks, I need to remind you the goal is not to try to stump Jake or I. The goal is to ask something we so we can educate our audience. While you're on a website, go ahead and give us your email. We won't spam you. Promise, promise, promise. We use it to let you know when stuff's going on. And then join the LinkedIn group. 
something, Paige, that you know about that the audience doesn't know about is on the past show, I asked for volunteers for our street team. And thank you, thank you, thank you. We have had a bunch of people from around the world reach out to us. So I'm collecting those email addresses and that contact information. We're going to wait till after the holidays and we're going to reach back out to those people and set up the street team. So you can still become a member of our street team. You're going to be involved in our social media. I'm only looking for about an hour a week commitment, but you'll also be involved as part of our press team. So you'll get to go with us and have a press pass around your neck like we do. Go to all these oil and gas conferences, get some cool t-shirts, some cool swag. So, so if you have an interest and donate about an hour a week's worth of work to OGGN and becoming part of our street team. Let me know. We're going to cut that off probably in New Year. So uh, January 1st, is, it'll be too late. So if you want to be part of it, you got to get me your contact information by the end of December. You must want to work before <laughs> January 1. <laughs> we're going no, no, to have I'm, the I'm, outpouring I'm, of emails and stuff. Yeah, I'm, not I'm doing glad it. you said that. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up, Paige. Audience, I'm not going to say you're going to work now. I just need your contact information to put you on the list. I'm not going to even touch it until after the holidays, until after the first of the year. But uh, we need to cut that off at some point. So so if you want to play a part, uh, let me know. And if not, that's fine. As long as you're a listener, uh, we love you no matter what. And speaking of that, old listeners, thank you for getting us to where we are now. I, I, I would have. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You started out as a listener. Yep, I, I absolutely did. I think all of us did, except for yeah. maybe Colin. So, so all of our old listeners, we would not have the success that we're having now. Our new listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm glad you found us. We're going someplace with this. We're bringing you along for the ride. We hope to always be entertaining and valuable and useful to you. Uh, we got a bunch of goals in 2019, so we're looking at at really, you know, kicking some butt and taking some names and having fun while we're doing it. Whew, that was a lot. So, Paige, anything else you want to add? Oh, if you don't know, I have my own podcast. It's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders. Feel free to check me out. Be glad to have you. It's a great show. And and by the way, if you work for any companies out there, any of your senior leadership, you think they have an interesting story, let Paige know. Uh, we, oh, that'd be great. We love to tell those stories. And and it's and Paige records the Capital Grill over drinks and appetizers. So it's it's not not that shabby a deal. No, not at all. <laughs> all right, Paige, let's get out of here. So folks, remember, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a product of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasthisweek.com.